0: How would it feel to have a thriving fitness business and have the freedom to enjoy life at the fullest? Well, that is exactly what the Trainer Revenue Multiplier Show is gonna give you. My name is Matthew Park. This is Amy Filer. Hey guys. And we are here to serve. Guys, welcome to the show. My name is Matthew Parker. I have my amazing partner in crime, Jamie, file with me today as well, guys. Jamie, how are you on this wonderful day? Jamie,
1: I am well, Matthew. How are you?
0: Doing awesome. Doing awesome. Looking forward to just having some nugget sharing with this amazing guy we have on the call today, Jamie. Of course, uh, looking forward to sharing some nuggets with him and and diving in deep. I Alan, love you. thank
1: how you everyone? so much for coming. My pleasure. All,
2: all, all, all the way from uh, from the UK. Uh,
0: well, Alan, you were actually next to my roster for introduction, but just, just so you know, <laughs> so, it's good to see you, nobody. So I love it's a pleasure it. a to be here. Good to have you on the show, buddy. We're definitely looking forward, looking forward to having you. Uh, definitely share some nuggets, some information, some uh, social media stuff for us both well. Looking forward to it. Let's kind of go over a little of the, of the short backstory of. Um, kind of your story as far as kind of where it all came from. So most of don't actually know, Alan is uh, actually a dad of five children. Sure. He's a pretty big family. Um, has run multiple companies over the years. I believe the recruiting company was the main one for what, 10 years, Alan? Yeah. 12 years? Yeah, correct. 10 years. Right. Beautiful. And then, of course, of course, from there, you moved over into, of course, you had two of those, I believe it was. Yep. You had a home-based agency as well. A Finnish yep. company, finished business as well, and now, of course, you're running Team Miles business consulting for, of course, more like online marketers and so forth, growing their business, and of course, social media and setters and so forth. And of course, we're leveraging you as well. So, um, you've been in the game for, I think, what 15, 16 years, Alan? Uh, yeah, about that. Yeah, don't don't give away my age.
2: <laughs> uh, he started
1: when he was four. That's all.
0: <laughs> the the gray gives it away immediately. And- <laughs> is there anything we kind of forgot as far as your story or your backstory all you want to share um i don't think so
2: no like for for me it was really a case of i think just to kind of explain the journey of why i moved online and i think it's a very similar story for a lot of people it was really about creating freedom in life like having kids and being a dad and very much working in that corporate world where you're expected to work 24 7 7 days a week Um, I'd experienced things in life that really got me to a point that was very clear. This isn't what I want to do. It was a great skill set to learn and it was a fantastic experience. But I wanted to be able to take those skills and actually use them to leverage and create freedom to be able to actually enjoy life instead of just constantly wearing a pair of
0: golden handcuffs. Interesting. Interesting. Any thoughts, Jamie on that, Jamie? You want to share, Jamie? Any thoughts on that? I
1: mean, I think that's that's perfect, is to, you know, it it segues perfectly into exactly what we do in TRM is giving trainers freedom so that we don't have to be confined by four walls or the nine to five. Um, you know, which is one of the reasons we hooked up with you in the first place, Alan, is is how to get trainers more freedom and essentially live a life that you do, but Using fitness and nutrition as our vehicle rather than obviously social media and and setters and whatnot,
2: yeah, I, and I think that freedom journey, it really starts from the place of understanding how do we leverage like the assets that we have in front of us? Like how do we use social media as an example to get you in front of as many people as possible? and I, I think for me, one of the big things I see um is, so many people trying to optimize nothing. (laughs) It's always about trying to get to this place of optimization. If I have this fantastic process, but what do you have in the process? Well, nobody. Okay, so it's pointless. (laughs) We need to have lots in the process. And I, I kind of, I think attention is that big piece that people are afraid of sometimes, but that's the real key to creating the freedom they're looking for is actually understanding we need to get attention and how you get attention has to align with you definitely as a human being. But you have to be OK with putting yourself out there on the on the ledge and being um, at points judged. And that's what starts to open you up to attract your person to. And I refer to it like planning for gold. When they go looking for gold, they don't go only picking up tiny gold nuggets. They go and scoop up big scoops of mud and then they shake the mud out. Any of that judgment that we get or maybe any of the negative comments we get or people who aren't our audience, that's the mud. And we just need to shake it away. And what's left is then the gold nuggets who are our audience and who are the people that we care about. But I think attention is that first piece that so many people actually miss in that journey to get freedom.
0: Mm. Interesting. So I guess with that, Alan, I guess one of the stigmas, not stigmas, I guess, that maybe people, of course, would be here in the industry, of course, is how do you sell? Of course, you, how do you sell or how, how do you actually engage with people authentically or generally actually in your DM inbox to you know create those conversations that obviously could lead into potential prospects or leads for your business, right? We'll kind of start there first, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Just get right so, in there, kind of go for yeah. it. Yeah,
2: so I think the, the important thing to think of is, like, I think in the DMs has somewhat of a, negative reputation, just like cold calling, door knocking, um, anything like that, unsolicited sales has a bad reputation. And you have to look, I think, a little bit further into the industry to understand why. And I think it's because there's this undertone of there's a very different energy with some salespeople, because cold sales can be very difficult. And you need to have thick skin, you need to have that dark energy, that Conor McGregor style energy of I'm not afraid to knock on the door and I'm going to do what I want to do. Whereas when you're speaking to coaches, there's generally a much cleaner energy, more of a mother Teresa style energy, which doesn't gel very well. Mother Teresa and Conor McGregor, I don't think they would get on too well together if you put them in a room. So you have to think, well, how can I take a process that's been proven over hundreds of years of business, but blend it with an industry that doesn't necessarily like that approach. And it makes them feel uncomfortable to me. the the key here is value. If you can start something, if you can start a conversation that provides value with no other purpose other than to provide value, then you start a very different conversation. If you start a conversation with value in in, in kind of inverted quotes, with a undertone of, I'm only giving you this because I want to sell you something, that can be sniffed out a mile away. It has to come from a real place of, I'm giving you this because I know it's going to help you. And I care enough to spread this and do good work. But you need to have then, as a salesperson underneath that, actually done some research to understand, am I playing, because you have to play an odds game, like sales is a numbers game. Am I giving this value to the right person who has the opportunity, the resources and the desire to want to potentially become a customer down the line? You can't just go around blindly handing it to everybody because you don't have enough uh, volume inside of social media if you're doing organic to be able to do that anymore so you need to be strategic with where you place the value but it truly has to come from a place of value knowing that it will come back around from a reciprocity perspective
0: mm. on that you want to share
1: i i mean i think uh oh gosh alan you are so eloquent If we had to, if we had to break it down in layman's terms, essentially what I'm hearing you say is information for free implementation for fee. So give them stuff out of the goodness of your heart, because you're coming from a place of service, but as you mentioned, don't give it to everyone. Because what people will end up needing at the end of the day isn't the information, right? In the fitness and nutrition world, supplementation, exercise, physiology, it's all been done before. Nobody's reinvented the wheel. What people don't know how to do is go from information to implementation. That's why they hire trainers. So don't be scared to share your best stuff in the DMs. Don't be scared to help serve and coach in the DMs. Is that kind of what you're saying?
2: Yeah, that is what I'm saying. And I think to take it one step further, to actually get clearer on what information you should be giving, because I think there's a misconception that when somebody says, give your best stuff, people think I have to give my program. I have to give some high level stuff that's going to take months to implement. We don't want to do that. We want to give our best stuff from the perspective of what is the bottleneck that that prospect is experiencing today, that if we solve it, they are going to be eternally grateful and it will build a much stronger connection. So, for a fitness client, it could be something as simple as understanding how to calculate calories. It could be for a busy professional, somebody who struggles with back pain, and you could give them three exercises that relieves their back in two minutes. They're going to be eternally grateful to you because they can go off and finally drive their car for the rest of the day with no pain. That opens the dialogue to a conversation.
1: So I work for a a supplement company, Alan, and uh, we call those trust builders. So they say whenever somebody asks you what supplement they should try, literally don't recommend anything except the greens that this company makes and the protein. Why? Because the protein is literally the best flavor anyone has ever had. And the greens will automatically heighten your energy. So they said, because right off the bat, you're going to build trust because you're recommending our two bet, it's going to make you feel better within 24 hours. So that's essentially what you're saying too: give away the stuff that's going to get people to buy in because they'll see immediate results.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I think another great example of this is if you look at um, when we look at things that have worked over the years in online coaching. Five-day challenges, they had a obviously a massive boom a couple of years ago. And if you look at why, because some challenges didn't work at all, but the ones that did, they gave simple, really simple things to implement over the course of five days. For example, eat five fruit and veg, drink some water, track your calories, whatever it might be. And people would come out of those five days feeling better than they've ever felt. You didn't do anything revolutionary. but You did something that provided value and fixed an immediate problem, just, just as we were saying.
1: Yeah. I love Mm. that. So Alan, my question is you've, let's say we've done that. Okay. We gave, we gave some amazing trust builders, 24 hours. They implemented either ourselves or our setter, uh, went back into the DMS. Hey, Jamie, how's that thing that I gave you for lower back pain working out? And they're like, Jamie, absolutely amazing. I feel so much better now when I'm driving. What do we do, Alan? They've bought in. How do we move the conversation smoothly, seamlessly, frictionlessly into the sales call?
2: Yeah. So there's a couple of different ways to do it. And everyone is going to have a shade of gray of this. So I would actually back it up a little bit. And actually, when we gave the value, I would have already set the next intention. I would have already made it clear of. Like, when you implement this, I would really love your feedback. So we're going back to reciprocity. Could we set a time for a five-minute conversation to just collect your feedback, your thoughts on how successful it was, and I'll make sure you go away with two or three extra things that will help take you to the next level. So we've already set the next intention. So when the setter or yourself jumps into the DMs to say, how did you find it? Yeah, I loved it. It's great. Fantastic. Can't wait for the call that we have in two hours' time. Here's the Zoom link for what we need we're starting that call from a place of purpose. We've already booked the sales call based on the value we just handed out, and they still have that escape valve. So if they, when the setter touches base to say, how did you find it? And they go, I'm really sorry. I haven't actually done anything. I didn't do it, or it didn't work, or I don't want to do it. That's the moment that you're not going to then waste any time with a call at that point. You're going to circle back. You're going to set a next step intention of, okay, completely understand. So we're going to um, acknowledge, pivot and question, it's a really simple framework to use, You're going to acknowledge them completely understand life gets in the way. Sometimes the pivot acts like an op- opportunity for you to either dig deeper into that topic or control the conversation to drive it to the next question. So it would then be a case of saying, so do you think you could get this completed in the next 48 hours? Or is this something that's just not really that important to you? So you can actually then start to qualify the lead there and then to understand, is this a prospect worth putting into my pipeline? Or is this just a time waster who just wanted something for free and will probably maybe one day in the next five years, maybe implement it?
1: I love that. Mm-hmm. And and just for those who, Alan, I mean, you glossed over it, but it is such an important We'll call it a psychological phenomenon. The law of reciprocity is that when someone does something for you, you feel obligated to reciprocate or do something in return for them. So when I give you my free ebook, my nutrition cheat sheet, you then feel a a responsibility to book a call with me. I do something nice. You do something nice, right? Like, hey, can you do me a favor, right? Um, so I love, I love your psychology, the, the psychology behind uh, your, your communication.
2: Yeah, one of, the, one of the areas that I find that this works incredibly well is when you're working with a certain personality type, let's refer to them as alphas. They have a very, very strong sense of leadership. They don't like people telling them what they should do or how they should do it. They'll push back quite aggressively. If you take the stance of, I need your help, Those types of people love to rescue people. I need your help. I would love your feedback on something I'm doing. They now feel super important. And we can all think of a type of person who fits that mold and then allows you to actually use your skill set as a coach and actually blow them away. So I refer to it as fire hosing because what it allows you to do is you ask a couple of questions, you collect the information, and then you hit them with their biggest value bomb that person has ever been hit with. And they will naturally install you as the leader in the conversation because they will come at you from the perspective of, my God, I have never had somebody deliver so much value in one go. I don't even know where to begin to implement this. Could you help me? Bingo, you just got yourself a client.
1: Um, You bring up such an interesting point. And uh, I mean, you probably know this. Tony Robbins calls these different postures, right? For every kind of uh, relationship we have, we hold different postures. And a lot of people come at sales from an authoritative posture. So they're already coming at it. Well, because technically we are smarter than our clients, right? That's why they're going to become our clients. But We don't have to approach it because in their lives, just like you said, they might be alpha and two alphas don't coexist. So you have to remove your posture from the conversation. And just like you said, come at it more authentically versus authoritatively. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Just like judo, as an example, you use the person's momentum against them so that you can then roll through to the dominant stance. I don't do judo, but I just thought it was a good analogy. No,
1: that's so, and it's so true. It's so true to kind of, you know, knock them off guard, but in obviously a non-manipulative, totally fair, not dark psychology way. Yeah. 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 I love it. So, so let's talk a little bit about the next level of leverage, which is other people, because that's definitely where you excel in your setting company. I had a conversation with one of our TRM gold people and he's like, honestly, you know what? I'm just not ready for the TRM engine yet. It's not a system. I don't have enough clients. Okay, fair. I'm not going to push, right? But at what point do we need to leverage uh, another human versus a system to help free our time versus me saying, ah, it's just my DMs. It takes me 10 minutes. I can keep doing it.
2: I think this is the the never-ending debate that will never stop because there's a couple of different angles to come at this. And I think from my perspective, it really ties back to what's the goal of the business, first of all. If the business's goal is simply to get to a, a revenue level where you just want some time freedom and you just want to maybe earn a great income like a hundred thousand a couple hundred thousand a year but you don't have any desire to go beyond that then I think you need to get the business to that point before you systemize with a human or with a system um, and then go from there if your goal is maximal growth and you want to grow as much and as far as possible then actually the strategy needs to be different and you need to bring people into the business at the earliest possible moment because there is a training curve, there's a growth curve, human beings having spent a long time in the recruitment industry, human beings are the most unreliable commodity on planet Earth, like you will inevitably burn through some team members, even if you pay them more, even if you are the nicest person in the world, people are people, and they will always have their own interests first. So we have to understand that there is going to be some bumpy roads ahead with human beings, it's inevitable. But If you're trying to grow as far as possible, you want to bring them in as early as possible and you want to sell the opportunity based on the reality of it. Because I think one of the reluctances that people have to bring in um, appointment setters into their business is twofold. One, I don't have the money to pay them, so I can't do it yet. Well, we'll overcome that in a minute. But the other one is I'm embarrassed where my business is because I'm not one of those people who's making a million dollars a month. That's okay. Like they're not expecting to walk into that type of business and your business, whether you're making zero or 10K or 40K or 60K or 100K per month presents an amazing opportunity for them to be able to come in and actually be a fundamental cog in your business. So if you you are looking for a very different person to that, to just somebody who wants to be a number But you end up presenting a very unique opportunity and you have to sell it for what it is. And it is a unique opportunity. It should be a privilege to be a part in your business growth, however big your business is, because to me anyway, my business is like one of my children. I'm not embarrassed to say to somebody, this is my child. Like, don't don't, don't look at this child. (laughs) You're proud of your children and you're proud of what you build. You should be proud of your business. And I think if you sell your business with pride to potential team members, they will come and they will come in large volumes because. It, there's These opportunities don't always exist for, to work with really great businesses. So the next thing to look at then is how do you overcome the most common issue, which is I can't afford to bring somebody on? Well, you want to use one of two things, either some creative financing, or you want to use commission-based setters. Creative financing is essentially, you can only do this to a certain amount, but you want to be able to give away something, maybe a, some percentage points in the business down the line. This becomes somebody's part-time gig they already have something that's earning them income but they want to maybe transition online fully to become a setter they're okay to invest um, they don't necessarily want to be paid up front they're happy with creative financing the most common way though is commission- based setters you want to they're a salesperson at the end of the day most appointment setters and this is a really important distinction an appointment setter and a VA are not the same thing. They are two very different things. It's like comparing a motorbike to a car. They're not the same thing. There might be modes of transport, but they're not the same. So just to put that into context quickly, a VA is a virtual assistant who can do some appointment setting duties, but they will follow a a script and only a script. And maybe very occasionally, if you have a great VA, will they go away from the script? A VA will not be commission-based. They're paid an hourly rate. And it's set amount, and they can do a range of tasks. An appointment setter, you could refer to them as a junior salesperson. They want to and usually have a desire to move into sales at some point down the line and actually do closing. Some setters are professional setters and they just want to remain setters, but usually the pathway is to go into high ticket sales. They will receive a commission percentage based on. The closed sale and the cash collected. So you have no money to risk bringing them in at day one. As long as they understand what they're getting themselves into and they have a fair opportunity to understand the landscape, they know they'll be paid commission based on closed sales. So that allows you then to leverage time. Because let's say we're going to go and do some cold outreach, just a really basic strategy. If you had somebody who was hitting some basic KPIs and they were booking one call per day, And let's say they were doing that on Instagram, LinkedIn and Facebook. So they're now booking three calls a day. That's 15 calls a week. You've paid nothing for them to do that until the sales start to close. You now have 15 calls a day being booked without you doing anything. Three other people are doing that or two other people are doing that. So all of a sudden, if your goal is maximal business growth, well, it now makes a lot of sense to be bringing people into your business, to be helping and to really specialize in this area, because then they can spend four, five, six hours a day. Well, three platforms, that's 15 hours. 15 hours a day you've just created to book those calls and you're off doing the other bits of your business.
1: Matthew, we're going to need Alan on for um, part two, for sure.
0: I agree, Jamie. But
1: Alan said a couple really important things. And again, I want to to bring this into uh, bite-sized chunks for our trainers to take away in terms of determining when you're ready for a setter. And of course, if I'm putting words in your mouth or if I completely misinterpreted, let me know. The first one is what an amazing analogy regarding being ashamed of your children. I mean, I'm not a parent, but that totally resonated. It would be the equivalent of not sending your kids to school because they don't know yet what the teacher is about to teach them, right? Like you can't be embarrassed that your kid doesn't know what it's not been taught. That's one of the right. Again, your your business isn't going to be fully formed almost because you don't have a setter yet and you're so busy working in it rather than on it. That being said, the other important point you mentioned is a setter follows a script or a VA rather, both of them. Follow a script. If you do not have a script and this person is about to freestyle in your business, this is dangerous, especially if they are you. If they are acting as you on LinkedIn, on Facebook and on Instagram. Right. They've got to sound, They they have to speak with your voice right?
2: Yeah, so just stop you there. One quick thing here. So everyone will work from a script, the appointment setter, the goal is they will eventually be able to come away from the script and actually have a proper conversation like you would be able to have, whereas the VA will always remain rigidly glued to the script. script. Um, But to start with, absolutely, you have to have a script.
1: Um, And then the other one you mentioned, again, briefly, but it, it needs its own podcast is KPIs. Because what if, for example, your setter happens to be independently wealthy, but genuinely loves sales? If they don't know what your key performance indicators are for calls pitched, calls booked, calls closed, they may waste your time. So I think it's important to have what underperforming looks like, what meeting KPIs looks like, what going above, and what exceeding. Looks like. And then again, speaking to payment structure, you can always give them an extra bonus on top of their commission if week after week for a month they have exceeded their KPIs for new conversations started, calls pitched, and calls booked.
2: Yeah. So KPIs, this is going to vary depending on the type of outreach. If you're doing cold outreach to warm outreach, those KPIs are going to be different. But for K- for cold, we'll start there because that's a process that every business can run. Not every business can run warm traffic. If they don't have it, you can't run it. So cold, you're looking at 100 inputs per day. So 100 inputs. And the first thing that gets flagged here is, well, the platform won't let me do 100 cold messages a day. Agreed. You do 30 to 40 cold messages, and the remainder of it is made up of follow-up from the previous day's outreach of people who haven't responded. So it takes, if you're starting from scratch, it takes three to four days to get to that 100. Once you're at 100, that becomes the minimum. So you're doing 100 a day, and you expect a minimum of a 1% conversion. So that means one call booked per 100. The next metric to look at is calls proposed to calls booked. Because this is a big area that you will see appointment setters do one of two things. If they are simply trying to do anything possible to book calls, you will see a very high disproportionate number, 10 calls proposed, one call booked. That's a terrible, terrible metric. We want to start with nothing worse than a, um, a 25%, so one in four. Uh, wor- very, very worst case, one in five. So for every four or five calls proposed, we're booking that call in. And we want to refine that metric until we get to somewhere between 60 to 70%. So for every three to four calls proposed, like we're getting two to three calls booked in. So the setter never actually has to do more work. They just have to get better at what they're doing. And that's the refinement of it. And that's the baseline metric to look at. If you are looking at underperformance, well, we're looking at less than 100 inputs. Uh, We're looking at less than one call being booked in per day on average across the week. Um, And if we're looking at overperformance or higher performance, best performing appointment setter, I know uh, that we've worked with who has been able to hold the level for a long time, he will do four to 500 inputs a day and book at around 2% um, per day.
0: Is that over Instagram only, Alan, or other multiple platforms?
2: Yeah, so that is just on Instagram. But that is a mix of stone cold traffic Mm. and then some longer term follow up because he's been doing the role for a long time. So essentially, the longer you're in that role for, the more follow up you have. Think of it of the amount of calls that get booked that maybe don't close. Those have become long term follow up. They need to be followed up and diligently followed up to be rebooked and then sold. So that's how you start to really get and push those high numbers.
0: Man, this is like absolutely full of full of value here, Alan. I really, really appreciate your, your support. And Jimmy Jamie definitely left here. Probably your Wi-Fi kicked up because of the storm over there as well, too. So Alan, wow, this is like information value pack nuggets. Thank you very, very much, man. I appreciate that. My pleasure. So where can they find more information about Team Miles? Give us some more information about Team Miles, man.
2: Yeah, so you can find me on my website, so alanmiles.com. Uh, links to all my social channels there. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, literally alan.miles. Um instagram alan miles consultant uh, or alan miles and an underscore i've got a couple of accounts there uh, or you can hit me with an email uh alan at miles.com nice and simple just remembering like, you want
0: to give us a background also before we kind of go here quick uh, basically what, what exactly your company all kind of does you mentioned social media backstory stuff like what, what kind of all your company kind of does
2: yeah. So as a company, we work on a consultant basis with our clients and we essentially focus in on a couple of key areas. So I, if you don't already know, I like frameworks and processes. So for me, it's first of all about installing baseline metrics. Then it's about bringing in um, things like appointment setters and systems to yeah. allow you to buy your time back. And then we bring in second and third revenue streams. If you're at the beginning of the journey, We want to focus in on those baseline metrics, and this is where a separate framework becomes relevant of focusing in on attention. How do we get that attention from the marketplace in as large a dose as possible? How do we then convert that traffic into sales? And then how do we take the service that we're so good at delivering and make sure that that makes the whole sales cycle easier by getting referrals and resigns? Um, so for me, it's all about process. It's all about customized work with people and actually getting in the trenches, rolling my sleeves up and getting those hands muddy and really helping people to build their businesses brick by brick.
0: You guys, if you guys are in TRM, guys, you definitely will see more of Alan here in the months to come and definitely the year to come because he's definitely going to be in the, in our TRM platforms uh, sharing more and giving more. And, of course, definitely probably even offering more. So looking forward to it. So, Alan, thank you very much for your time, your value. We appreciate that, bud. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. You bet, man. If you guys are, of course, watching the show, guys, if you guys want to find value in the show, guys, definitely take a screenshot of the show, share it on your on your podcast or on your Instagram channels and so forth, tag T R M as far as social media is concerned, and uh wishing you guys all a fantastic day. Thank you, Alan. Have a great day, guys. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Trainer Revenue Multiplier show. If you love today's episode, head on over to Trainer Revenue Multiplier on the iTunes and Spotify and subscribe to the show today.